for top quality floors at rock bottom prices, come to Floor & Decor. You're getting an incredible product for an amazing price, and that's hard to beat. Hardwoods, laminates, tile, or stone. Holy smokes, this place is huge. I'm on a budget, and I was able to go to Floor & Decor and save a lot of money. You will be blown away by this experience. The pros come here, I come here. If you love your wallet and you love your home, you have to go to Floor & Decor. Floor & Decor. For a store near you, visit floorandecor.com. Friday, everybody. Welcome to Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard. I am your host, Michelle Berard, founder and CEO of Urban Book Editor, LLC. And I am so, so, so happy to share this hour with you while we discover all those places where spirit meets life and the joys and challenges that may bring. Now, Somewhere in the Middle is intended to be a safe place where we can learn and grow together and we discuss a variety of topics ranging from love to politics to money and business and beyond. And that is, of course, because the human experience is wide and varied. And I know you guys have a lot to share with us. And I don't want you to feel like you have to just listen to us babble at you for an hour or so. So feel free to participate and engage. We want to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, get those ready because we will be taking questions from our audience. And you guys know already that I like to start by thanking Ms. Beverly Black and Tribe Family Channel for helping me create this space for us. Tribe Family Channel is home to an assortment of thought-provoking shows that explore life, spirit, business, and culture, including The Woman at the Well, hosted by Ms. Beverly Black herself. Somewhere in the Middle was born on Tribe Family Channel and has grown onto its own platform, but we are ever grateful and loyal to our roots. To paraphrase an African proverb, we are here only because we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. So I also want to give a shout-out to my guest for the March 23rd show, speaker and author Bernard N. Lee, Jr. You can connect with Bernard on Facebook, and his books are available on Amazon and at other fine retailers. If you miss that show, make sure you listen to the replay. Bernard shared so many wonderful memories. He shared about the culture of this country and, and Germany and history that's relevant to each and every one of us. Now, you can get to those replays by visiting Somewhere in the Middle at bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash Somewhere in the Middle Radio, and you can check out the on-demand shows. 
You can find the complete show archives, including the March 23rd show, at bit.ly, B-I-T slash somewhere in the middle podcast. And in fact, you'll also find them on my website at urbanbookeditor.com. I also want to give a shout out to Bruce George of the Genius is Common movement, which encourages all of us to embrace our inner genius and share it with the world. It is super, super, super important that we share this message with the youth. But it's not just for the youth. It really is for everyone. We all need to be reminded that the world needs our genius. So stop holding out. Share your genius with the rest of us. Learn more about the Genius is Common movement at www.geniusiscommon.com. Now, you guys, I am super pleased to have my guest on tonight. I have um, talked with this young lady several times over the last several several years, and she is, I don't know, she's just a phenomenal person, and she's a wonderful writer. Her name is Anita Dickerson Knox. She is the author of Free My Man. She is from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but she currently resides in Florida. She has started writing songs at the age of 13 and fell in love with writing as a result. So while in high school, Anitha developed interests including writing, drama, and dance. And she's a survivor of bullying, so she knows the pain that so many of our young people experience at the hands of other young people. Anitha aspires to be a role model for those who feel insecure about themselves and who think about suicide. She enjoys reading, writing, and loves meeting with her readers and getting to know them. I would like to welcome Anitha Dickerson-Knox to Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard. Thank you so much, Anitha, for being on the show with me. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm really delighted. I'm excited, too, because you've got your book out, and I wanted to talk with you about that um, and about your journey as a writer. But you probably already know that I like to start an interview with two questions, and the reason I like to start with these two questions is because I believe they lead right into what you're doing and why. So here are the two questions. Anitha Dickerson-Knox, who are you? And how did you become who you are today? Well, I'm just a um, a black girl from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is a very big city. And, yes, I am a Packer fan <laughs> all the way. Um, <laughs> and um, I'm just a very outgoing, free spirit, daredevil kind of person. And I love to uh, – I mainly love to help people. And – um, I've been writing since school. I had a lot of writing assignments in school. My favorite uh, subject was English because we had, like, a lot of uh, uh, writing assignments that I enjoyed the most. And I think my favorite project was, you know, that we had to pick an author that we loved and do some research on them. We had to do, like, a research paper on them. And, of course, I picked Stephen King because he was interesting to me. So I had a, I got a chance to do a, a, a project on Stephen King, which was awesome. <laughs> Um, wow. I, I, I didn't start writing until about last year. Um, when I got my laptop, I um, came up with this idea of what I want a book to be about. And 
um, the love for writing just kind of came at that exact moment. Um, it was fun, and, and I enjoyed it, and that's why it, it didn't take me long to uh, write my first book. So um, how did you become who you are today? Kind of grown from um, life experience. I have um, I had a lot of help get, uh, getting here, um, mainly through my mom, <laughs> who's, uh, who's an author as well. Um, so I got a lot of my um, my ideas and characters from her. Wow. Okay. So writing runs in the family. It does. It does. So let me ask you then, you said it didn't take you long to write your book. First of all, well, before we just go there, tell tell us the title of your book and tell us about it. Okay. Well, the title is Free My Man, and it's about a guy who goes to prison for something that he didn't do, and his wife is fighting for his freedom. And I wanted to write about a married couple who's actually in love with each other, but something comes up to the point where it, you know, it threatens their relationship and they were able to stay, uh, stay in love with each other throughout the whole thing. Mm. And, and so this challenge that came up, basically he was falsely accused and the challenge that came up involved her having to, to struggle to, to clear his name yeah, she's trying to get him out because uh, because she knows that her husband is not a murderer. <laughs> so she's she's playing detective, and she's also uh, showed her to cry on for her husband as well because he's he's going through all these emotions from being locked up. So you know she's playing support and detective at the same time. Okay, okay. So this is a mystery. This is a this is like a, a good old fashioned whodunit in a way, right? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, cool. So you said it didn't take you long to write it. Um, what was your writing process? Tell me about it. Well, first, um, once I got the idea to write about a married couple who was love, um, what I did was I wanted to add a drama, which was him being locked up. And I just I just wanted to um, send a message to married couples that, you know, sometimes something comes up or someone tries to uh, threaten your relationship, but it's possible to uh, keep your keep your relationship together even though something is trying to tear you guys apart. So once so once I got that so once I got that down, it was uh, I, I was able to make it into a story basically. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. So um, what inspired this particular story? Well, as an author, I want to I wanted to stand out from other authors, and the one thing I didn't want to do was write the same stories that people have been reading. So I tried to uh, change my stories up to something new and um, hip that people are uh, interested in, and that um, they haven't read in a long time. Because mm-hmm. I believe, I think in this day and age, we need more love, you know. Yeah, so this is a love story, primarily. It is. Yes. And um, presumably, this is um, 
this this love story is about more than just the um it's about people getting past the romantic aspects of love and into the deeper aspects of being supportive of one another, having faith yes. in one another, and so forth. Yes. So is this something that you you see modeled a lot in our lives, or do you feel like the reason you wanted to write this book was that partly because, well, you just didn't, you didn't know if other people needed to see this modeled somewhere, this type of love, this more intense, you know, more serious type of love? Well, I see a lot of um, breakups and divorces. And um, this was just a kind of way to remind um, anybody that's married or um, in a relationship that um, it's, it is possible to stay together even though um, a problem uh, presents itself, you know. A breakup is always not the answer, you know, especially when there's mm-hmm. uh, kids involved. <laughs> so right. um, this was like a positive way to to uh, show everyone that it was possible to um, you know, fight what you believe in, which is love. Mm-hmm. And what what would you say about people who who are in this kind of situation and they don't really know what to do? What what advice would you give them? Uh, go to God as always. Um, some some people that they break up, um, they will they'll say in the beginning of the relationship that um, guys in there in the beginning, but towards the end they kind of lose that focus um, of God. And uh, in order to stay whole as a person, um, just individually, is you're gonna need God. You're gonna need God to keep you uh, whole and pure. And once you have that, you'll be able to love yourself and love someone else. Well, I need to, I have to ask you because I know that you were, um, when you were younger, you were being, you were being bullied. Yes. Do you mind if I ask what, what type of bullying you experienced? Um, mine was, it wasn't just coming from one kid. This was an entire class that I had to deal with. Um, and it, it broke me down. A lot, um, you know. After after a while of listening to to the bullies, you um you start to believe them. You start to believe them, and once you do that, you just go into like a deep depression mode. Um, mine got to the point where I uh, sat my math teacher down and I had wrote a suicide note to her, saying telling her how I was going to kill myself, and she sat me down and. She asked me how I was going to do it, and I told her. And um, I told her when I was going to do it and why I was going to do it. And I told her that, you know, I didn't feel like they were helping me because, you know, as a kid, you are always told to tell the teacher, tell the principal when you are mm-hmm. going, through something, going through something like this, and which I did do, but nothing was done. And, and mm. as a result, as a result um, I had to go through an entire year of this and, it almost it almost took my life. So let me ask you then. So how old were you when this was going on? I was only twelve. Oh my! Yes. That's really young to be contemplating suicide. Yes. And when it sounds like you weren't just contemplating it, you had a plan. Yes, I had it planned out. I knew when I was going to do it and how I was going to do it. 
And I wanted to, and, and I wanted everybody to know. What was your what? How did your teacher and then uh, presumably the school respond at that point? Um. Well, she what she did was she she folded up the letter and she put it in her desk, and she said she was gonna leave it there as a reminder. Um. She didn't. Um. The, the day I was going to kill myself, she was actually not there at the school. Um, so um, I have no idea <laughs> how she felt about it or not um, because I was kind of going through it. Um, even though they knew when I was going to do it, they didn't, you know, show any signs of, you know, caring because, you know, I was outside and I was by myself when I was going to do it. So no one really came outside where I was, so... I was just kind of alone in my thoughts. And what made you not do it? Um. Well, to tell you, I was thinking to myself that you know, um, me being dead was not going to help because um, there there's been a lot of kids at that school that have that have committed suicide, um, and they they they're still being talked about even while they're dead. So you know, you being dead is not going to solve anything, you know. I, uh, the most, uh, what I realized was that if you are able to fight through it and succeed in front of your bullies, that's going to that's gonna make them stop talking because they then you're bothering them with your success and that you're and showing them that you're doing okay. And, and um, that makes them uh, stop you know, stop talking about you because they're like, well, it's not affecting her anymore, so I can go on to the next person. And um, that's kind of what I kept telling myself is that, you know, I'm going to be strong about this, and I'm not going to take the easy way out, basically. Well, you know, they say the best revenge is to live well and look good. Yes, yes, that is the best revenge. (laughs) (laughs) It it does work. It does work. (laughs) So... Um, let me ask you then, so are you what is it that you think that um people should know about maybe that age or or the way kids maybe treat each other at that age? Is there something particular to that age that promotes bullying you think or um I think so because like you know at around that age, you know of course, I was starting puberty and um and then, like kids, they they try to to pinpoint everything. They, they like if your hair is not done, they get you on that. If you're not wearing the best clothes, they get you on that. So they try to break you down little by little. And um, what they need to understand is that not everybody has money. Not everybody parents, you know, come from a silver spoon, you know. And just because somebody is you know poor doesn't mean kick them down while they're already down. Um, because it could be them, you know what I'm saying? It, right. It make we need to. Uh, encourage one another, help each other out instead of breaking each other down because breaking someone down, it's not going to help, you know, it's not going to help at all. All it's going to do is make the situation worse. Mm-hmm. So have, what do you think about um, this cyberbullying? I mean, I I know when I was in school, there was no internet, so... Yes, I've just told you my age there. Um, <laughs> there, there was no internet. I think this would be even more horrifying. You know, yeah, if I were a teenager and I'm on, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, all those different things, and folks are just coming at me from all sides, from 
where you can't even see them. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think cyberbullying is just as worse as if the person was right in front of you. Um, it, you know, it, it breaks you down the same way. It breaks you down the same way. And, you know, the best thing to do is you can't listen to people. It's like only you know who you are and only your family knows who you are. You know what I'm saying? So you have to tell yourself that. It's like the kids are going to be mean. They're going to talk about you regardless. Whether, you're, whether you are rich or poor, they are going to talk about you. And you just have to be strong about with with yourself and with what you're doing. So, what kinds of um, what kinds of things would you tell parents? Because I mean, did uh, your parents even know you were going through all this? Um, they didn't know how. I guess you could say that they didn't know how much I was going through it because I told them that. You know, it was a few kids bothering me. They didn't, they didn't know that it was an entire class and that it really affected me. I never told them about the suicide note either. So, oh, <laughs> so yeah, they didn't, they didn't know about that part. They didn't, um, I didn't want them to know. So I just kind of like, you know, kept that part to myself. And I just wanted to let parents know to, you know, be in the know. Like if you see that your kid is down, and you know, and they coming from school is, you know, obviously is. From school, um, make sure make sure they know that you're doing something about it. You know, because my my mom was a top of mom that she would go to the school, she would show up in person, tell the principal that this is a problem, and then they need to do something right then and there before she leaves, kind of thing. Right. So I think so. Uh, <laughs> I encourage a lot of parents to do that because it lets the, their kid know that um, they care and they, they and they trying to get it fixed. Well, what about you know? I mean, I've got I've got kids. I've got three kids, and I can tell you, I don't think anybody at any of those schools wanted to see me coming. Uh, <laughs> if there was a problem, they they know what time yeah. it is, and yeah. they might just they might just be very unhappy with having to talk to Miss Berard that day. So, you know, and I know because of that, sometimes the kids will even uh, kind of say, "No, no, no, I can handle this myself." What would you say to kids? about letting their parents get involved? Um, I would say let them because there's a lot there's a lot that you can't do that they can do. You know, it, is, it, it, it helps to get help because um, what you think you can do by yourself doesn't always work. It might backfire, and then you're back to feeling um, depressed again. So if you want to uh, get out of that, the best way to do it is from your parents. Because you got to remember, some parents, they've been bullied themselves. So they've been there. And they know how how they felt and how they got out of it. So they might tell you how to uh, how to do something and to actually get you out of it. And it helps to have a, a team behind you because that's what your parents are. They like a team because family is like a team, you know. They stick together. <laughs> and when, when one of us has a problem, we all have a problem, and we all going to fix it together. So if you have to go up there as a crowd, go up there as a crowd. Yeah, bring your gang with you. <laughs> yes, bring the bring gang. Your, <laughs> bring your posse. Yes, <laughs> yes. And if you don't want to tell your parents, tell your big sister, your big brother, go do it together, like, you know. Well, yeah, and I'm, you know, I always wonder about that. You know, when I was in school, I was in high school, one of my good girlfriends actually committed suicide. She was 14 years old. And I don't think that she could possibly have anticipated how that devastated not just her family, but 
our friend groups, you know, and it's, you know, it's always overlapping groups, you know, you know, so you're friends mm-hmm. with all these different groups. Kids came from all over the city to this wake. Mm-hmm. And it was just heartbreaking. It was absolutely yeah. heartbreaking to see her mom and her two sisters, you know, oh, she had little sisters. It was just so heartbreaking, the whole thing. And just kids from all over the city. And you're like, why? What would possess you to think that this was a good response to the situation? But when you're feeling so low and you're feeling, I would presume, powerless, is that one of the feelings that you experience? Yes, because you feel like you're alone and that no one's listening. And if no one's listening, you know, you kind of have the mindset of, why am I here then? I mean, what else What else are some of the feelings that maybe folks should be thinking about? Maybe their their kids are, and, and I'm presuming also adults get this way. Um, yeah. What what other feelings should they be looking for? Um, anger. A lot of a lot of them are angry, um, especially anger because anger that leads to that leads to violence and. Um, that's just as bad as killing yourself. So um, you, you're going to look for anger. Um, someone that's sad, cutting yourself, um, that's one. Um, or eating a lot, um, that, 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 um, or throwing up, you know, because um, you know, there's a lot of kids being um, bullied about their weight and stuff like that. So, you know, eating excessively is one of them, cutting themselves. Um, always wanted to be alone. Like if they if they don't want to be around somebody, um, that's another sign um, uh, that there um, that something's going on. Um, because it, you never want to leave somebody alone in their thoughts because they could be thinking something that they shouldn't be thinking about, and um, it it leads to it, that leads to suicide as well. Well, and I will say this, just so that parents don't start panicking. I have, I've, like I said, I have three kids. My last one, he's he's a teenager now. And each one of them, through the teenage years, they suddenly started kind of holding themselves up in their room. <laughs> but I think that's not un- necessarily unhealthy as long as you can get them out of their room, right? So as long as you can, yes, okay, yes. come on, we're going to watch a movie, or come on, we're going to go do this, it's all good. But if they're really won't be a part of yeah. things is what you're talking about, right? Yeah, like if you if you ask them to come to dinner and they say no, they're not hungry, then that's something to look into. If it happens a lot, right, if it's consistent. Yeah, it's a, yeah. Yeah, it's a pattern, yes. <laughs> so um, let me ask you, how did you address the situation afterwards? I mean, obviously, you know, so you're like 12 years old, you're sitting there thinking to yourself, I'm going to – commit suicide at the appointed date and time nobody comes out to tell you no don't do this or to wonder what you're doing or anything like that you decide well obviously me being dead isn't going to help things how do you move forward from there um well part of it that that helped me out was um the school i was going to um they had a uh, like a I guess you could say like a little graduation for us, uh, kind of like a high school has um, for us to um, uh, to graduate and go to another school to a higher grade. So um, I was excited that I 
number one, that I was going to leave that school completely and um, hopefully never see them kids again. <laughs> so um, that that was a whole other celebration for me. Um, I didn't really care about the graduation. Um, I didn't even stay for it. I just kind of went and um, then I left because I didn't want to see the school again. So once I left, wow. um, I was okay. <laughs> I was okay. I was able to go to a new city, new school, and um, it was a great feeling. Oh wow. Okay, so you got you got up and left and so you actually had a physical exit strategy. <laughs> Your yes. family was moving. Uh, yes. Uh my main mission was to leave that school entirely. Okay. I didn't I didn't say goodbye to nobody, I just left. And once you went to your other school you didn't have those feelings so much anymore. Um, well I had a different struggle when I went to uh the school because um, because of all the bullying, I wasn't able to focus on my schoolwork, and because of it, I was in special ed. So it brought a whole new bullying because I was bullied for being stupid, of course. Wow. So, <laughs> so yeah, my problem didn't really go away. So how did you, you know, again, that just begs the question. So you went from one situation where you were being bullied for one thing, you go to another situation, you're kind of being harassed for another issue, yeah. how did you move yourself past all of that emotionally so that you could just keep keep putting one foot in front of the other? How did you do that? Um, well, I'm actually glad uh, that I went to special ed because my mindset was focused on the kids that I was in the class with because uh, for those who don't know, special ed was full of um, kids that are disabled. And um, the kids that I, I uh, was with, um, they were so wonderful. I mean, you had kids that were um, born with, you know, only one eye or, you know, brain damage, and they were just, you know, just as loving and and just outgoing as everybody else, uh, despite their uh, disability. And they made me want to be a teacher for disabled kids because these kids were just. So wonderful. I got to help them out, you know. Um, I I got to uh, teach more how to talk, <laughs> which was awesome. So he know how wow. to say a few words now because because of me. So um, you know, because I was so excited from working with those kids and just seeing their their courage, you know, it, the the bullying kind of didn't bother me as much because you know here you got a kid in front of me that was born in a certain way and that he was able to. He's able to be somebody, you know, despite of it. And, you know, I just learned, I just got my courage from them because these are, like, if, like you have to know one to know what I'm talking about because these kids are just, are just wonderful. So you were able to get out of your own head by helping other people is what I'm hearing. Am I, am I interpreting yes. that correctly? Yes. So it sounds like yeah, a really me. good – I'm sorry? Yeah, they helped me help myself basically <laughs> without knowing it, but, yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds like that's a really good strategy. It would be a good strategy to, um, you know, kind of go out and, and, and get outside of your own thoughts. Uh, sounds like a good strategy for dealing with any kind of emotional stress. Yes, and you, and you know what? It's it's always something that you can do to 
a better yourself because even though I, I was in special ed, um, I knew what I could do as a person. Um, and the main thing that kept me happy was to write. And, you know, it was a kid that was blind and deaf, kind of like Helen Carter was, but she was able to, she was still able to write a book. So um, just because you're in that class does not mean you can't do something because it just, it just means that you're just, just as special as everybody else. Very cool. So what are, what are you working on now? So you finished your first book, right? So are, yes. I know you're promoting it, but what else are you working on? Uh, well, first, for the first book, um, on, on April 26th at the um, Winter Haven Public Library, um, I'm having my first book signing for that book. And um, right now I'm also in the process of writing my second book, which I am about Ten chapters away from finishing, so my second book will be out soon as well. Very cool. And, and what's that project about? Um, it's called Lust. is mainly about um, the dangers of lusting for the flesh. Oh, really? Oh, I want to hear all about that. So, t- <laughs> so what's the premise? Talk, talk to us about what's going on in that one. Um, well, there is a lot of drama. Um, is a is mainly it's like kind of like a desperate housewives kind of thing. It's about um, um, a group of friends who live in the same neighborhood. Um, they um, they some of them are single, some of them are not. They're and then they get involved into the cheating, and then they start losing their jobs and their friendships. So they kind of their lives kind of go down downhill from lusting for the flesh. Okay, okay, and then lots of drama ensues, and what? Yeah, it's, it's a lot of drama. Um, it's, a, um, it's, it's just to show people that um, what can happen if you let, you know, let, some, uh, let someone persuade you um, into doing something wrong. It could lead to a lot of, um, you know, losing your job, losing your friends to the point where you're just alone and you're thinking to yourself, well, maybe I shouldn't have done that in the first place. Yes, maybe you shouldn't have You should not have done that Awesome, awesome So are there going to be sexy scenes in the book then? Yes, of course Lots of sexy scenes Awesome So people people who like sexy books Should definitely look for that one And when do you think that's going to be um, ready to go? When is that due out? Hopefully within the next couple of months. Okay. Very good. Very good. So are you So are you planning to do a book tour? You're going to travel? You're you're going to get out to LA? It would be great if you got out to LA. <laughs> I would love to go on a book tour. That would be so awesome. <laughs> I would definitely love to do that. Okay, awesome. Well, we'll have to see if we can get some dates set up for you to come out and and do that. So um, what else do you have going on in terms of your projects, in terms of writing projects? Are you starting to work on something maybe in the area of self-help and talking about suicide and bullying? Because it sounds like you would have a lot that you could contribute to that discussion. Uh, Yes. well, I was going to write a book about my experience, but um, my mother, my mother kind of beat me to it. <laughs> but she oh, told really? me because, 
Yeah, she um she actually has a self help series out because uh, she's a psychologist, so she um she's been there herself, and um she explained it a, a lot better than I could. <laughs> <laughs> So wow, yeah, okay. <laughs> so yeah, her uh series is out now. Um the first one is called um Unbreakable. It goes to, and I, I want people to read that one because that goes on to, uh, that talks about her life as a mother cuz she didn't really have parents like everybody else did. I mean, she had us, you know, she had eight of us and she was still able to graduate high school, go to college after college and get degree after degree and she even wow. went, uh, through, she even went through uh, you know, um, we was taken taken away from her from through, uh, through DCF, so she had to go through that that whole process and was able to get us back. So she she's been a warrior. <laughs> That's amazing. And and yes. so the title of the book is Unbreakable. Which what's your mom's name? What's um her? She goes by R M Ransom. Um, she um that's part that's book one of her self help series, and then she has um. Depression, which goes into the bullying part, um, and then um, the silent killer is the um, third one. Very cool, very cool. So yeah, she's um, um, she's amazing in that series. So you know everything that um, that I felt and that she felt um, is, are in those books, and. Um, She's uh, she also gets into how she dealt with it, how I dealt with it, how was was able to turn uh, pain into power, basically. So how many um, how many brothers and sisters do you have? Um, I have I have six sisters and only two brothers. So yeah, girls rule in my family. <laughs> hey, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's awesome. And were you old enough to remember being taken away from your mom? Yes. Um, the thing was, um, I had just turned eighteen, so the government couldn't take me because I was gone. okay. But I was, but so I saw my brothers and sisters being taken away. So our family was like really torn apart, and it was the only, it was the first time that I actually saw my mom like full blown cry. So yeah, it was oh, a, wow. it was a very bad moment, and the saddest part about that, it was only two days before Christmas when this happened. Are you serious? I am dead serious. They did that to they, your family two days before Christmas. They thought that was an excellent time. Oh my God, I can't mm-hmm. even imagine. I cannot even imagine the pain. So yeah, that Christmas was not a good one. So, what about that process? I mean, what do they do? They just kind of came to the door and said, "We're taking your kids." I mean, they didn't have any. I mean, they don't have um, to. Well, they, they, well, they did a lot of things wrong because first, um, we was uh, in a visit uh, with them, and they kind of uh, didn't want to let us leave, and. We were sitting there trying to figure out why we couldn't leave. And the next thing we know, you know, cops pull up. And we're like, and we're thinking to ourselves, you know, um, we didn't really do anything, so why are they here? And that's when they told us that my brother was going to be taken. And, you know, everybody started crying, including my mother. And, um, yeah, we just kind of broke down at that moment as a family. Oh, my goodness. 
And what do you mean you were in a, in a visit with them? What do you mean by that? I'm sorry. Um, I well, during is a whole lot of information. From what we, we was told, um, something came up um, about my stepdad, and um, they wanted to talk to us about it. But they didn't really do a whole lot of talking, just a whole lot of trying to keep us together in one room and not letting us leave. So they didn't tell us anything until the last minute. So they were trying to stall to keep you guys there but exactly. until they had their their pieces on the chessboard, so to speak. Yes, exactly. Wow, that is, um, that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. Wow, okay, hang on one second. I have a question that is coming in okay. from a caller <laughs> being texted in. Or chatted in. <laughs> so the question is about your faith. Given all of these challenges that you've been through, um, how do how does your faith play into that? Into dealing with those things. Well, it plays a it plays a strong part because without faith, um, you're gonna lose yourself, and um, you need to keep your faith in God because um, what I said earlier about having a team to back you up, <laughs> um, the Lord will be is that team as well as part of that team as well, um, because like once you focus on the love that he gives you, the support that he gives you, um, it kind of helps you deal with the problem at hand. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you kind of feel better about the situation, too. You know, once you start feeling better, you start coming up with ideas of how to um, how to get yourself out of that in a positive way. And so um, do you feel like, and and this is me just, kind of expanding on that question, do you feel like it's important to have a spiritual community to fall back on, or is it just kind of your personal faith that makes things better and easier? I don't know if easier is the right word, but makes it where you can get through these situations. Yeah. Um, I think it's better to have a team of spiritual people because um, there's a lot of different people that go through different things, and some of the stuff they they talk about, um, but how they go through it, 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 it surprises you. And you're going to think to yourself, well, maybe I should have done that. You know what I mean? Those mm-hmm. kind of people, uh, they, come into your, they come into your life for a reason. And sometimes they'll, they'll help you right then and there, and you, and you not even know it. You will, go, you will leave out of there with a whole different mindset. And I think that's really, really cool. And, and the importance of mindset, I mean, your mindset is absolutely critical Yes. To moving forward, whether, you know, whether you're a person of faith or not, um, you know, you have to have your head in the right place in order to, in order to move forward, right? Yes, exactly. Okay. Very good. Very good. Very good. Well, let me see if I have, I think I have another caller who might have a question. So they're asking about your. <laughs> they're asking, "What's it like to come from a family of writers? <laughs> What's it like? 
I mean, especially um, given well, that your mom, when did your mom start writing? Um, she's been writing since I was a kid. Um, but like, like any author, she was going through uh, the challenge of, you know, um, trying to find that, that one publisher that she can actually trust. So, you know, she knows a lot of inside outs about the uh, industry. And mm. um, she was, she was able to um, find someone she can trust and, you know, start her journey all over again. And because of it, it's still, you know, she's still amazing. You can uh, sense that through her stories. And sometimes I'd be in the competition with her a little bit. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, a, it's a fun competition. <laughs> That's awesome. So does anybody else in your family write? You have a pretty big family. So do you have other writers in the family? Uh, well, my family is, uh, um, yes, because I have a brother who plays the drums for his own band, and so he's kind of like a songwriter. Um, I write oh, I write wow. a lot of his songs. I wrote a lot of his songs because I did start as a songwriter as well. So we're kind of like a music-type writing family because I have a sister that can sing. and So, yeah, we are just musically <laughs> bonded together. <laughs> That's awesome. So y'all are, y'all are bonded by words and music. I love that. It's, Exactly. Mm-hmm. So what authors inspire you? You mentioned Stephen King. You did a project on Stephen King. Um, um, I don't know if you – did you read his book about about writing? Is that one of the no, books have, that inspired have, you as a writer? Uh, no, I have, to, I have to get that book because um, – um, the only thing I saw was he did do an interview, I think it was on his YouTube page, where he talks about um, his uh, journey as a writer. Um, and I think I read one, uh, I think he wrote a book as well about his journey as a writer. I think that's the one I read um, back mm-hmm. in the day. Um, um, so, I, yeah, I did see and read a couple things that um, that he has talked about his uh, his uh, writing career. Um, and... Um, Another author that inspires me like he does will be Carl Weber. I think everybody knows Carl Weber. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes, I am. An, yeah, I'm reading his family business series right now, and it's absolutely entertaining. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what's your what's your favorite favorite Carl, Carl Weber book? Oh, uh, hands down, Torn Between Two Lovers. Okay. <laughs> All right. What so is it that you love about it? <laughs> Because it was interesting from beginning to end, like you're not gonna be able to put that book down until you finish reading it. Then you're gonna be mad because there's not a movie or a book two. <laughs> <laughs> it's that kind of good. Awesome. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. And what about musicians? What what musicians influence your songwriting? Um from people like Britney Spears, Beyonce. Um, they um, they were able to like sing sing a lot of different songs, and they all be hits. So you know me, <laughs> me. I think my daughter gets it from me because I sing constantly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> probably why she's probably why she's singing and dancing right now. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I I sing and dance a lot. So. And uh, my songs kind of pop in my head, kind of like my stories does. So you know, and once something pops in my head, I gotta write it down. <laughs> so that gets us to your creative process. You said that ideas just kind of pop in your head. What if you can't sit down right that minute and write something? What's your strategy? 
Um, well, it comes to me because sometimes I will be talking to somebody. I will be either t- uh, taking a nap, and the scene that I, I was trying to think of to begin with will pop up in my head, and I will literally stop at what I'm doing at that moment and write it down. <laughs> I know that's weird, but okay. it, it happens like that because I will be literally thinking about it uh, for an entire day, and then an idea pops up, and it's like, you know, i got to write this down because <laughs> that popped in my head for a reason, so I had to write it down. Well, you know, one of my favorite, um, I, I like TED Talks. I'm such a geek. I love TED Talks. And one of my favorite TED Talks is Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love, talking about inspiration. Yeah. And she talked about meeting with this poet. And the lady told her that, the words kind of come, they come through her. And it made it, the way it sounded, if I recall correctly, was almost like it rushed through her like a train. And sometimes she could feel the words coming and she might be outside gardening, let's say, and she would have to run into the house and find something to write with so that she can capture those words as they're coming. And she talked about one time in particular that the words came through her so fast, she didn't get to her pencil in time, and she literally had to pull them back into her. And she found when she was done that she had written the entire poem backwards, which I thought was (laughs) mind-blowing. That was a mind-blowing concept. Yes. (laughs) So have you ever had where um, your, you know, your concepts are are not quite coming together? You have an idea, but it's not quite coming together. And if so, what do you do to kind of push that that process along to, to help that come together? Yes, I did have I did have that happen. Um, the good thing about that is you would read it back to yourself, and you would already know that it doesn't make sense. And then another idea would pop in your head to how to rewrite that. So um, I kind of I kind of uh, appreciate those moments because uh, you get another idea that was better than the first. So th- those are good moments. <laughs> okay, so they're not moments to be discouraged by, is what you're telling our listeners, right? Yes, yes. They, don't get discouraged by them. They they are going to help you in the long run. And then once you add to your story, uh, trust me, it's going to sound a whole lot more interesting. <laughs> I don't know. As I struggle with some of my own writing, I'm like, okay, I'm hoping that that's what happens. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm really hoping that that's what happens, that a better idea comes across. What do you do when you get the, just that writer's block and it just doesn't come together for you? Um, mine has kind of been like a, a flow uh, kind of thing. Um, what I do is I just stop writing, and um, like I said, it's um, I, I, I deal um, will pop in my head depending on what part of the um, story I'm on. Um, it will kind of just pop in my head at the last minute, and those, and that's one of the moments where you gotta, you're not in front of a, a book or a computer, and you're like, well, dang, <laughs> now I have to, I have to get my pen and book back out. <laughs> right. So it's one of those things that you, you know, don't think so hard, you know, because it will come to you 
um, at the right time, basically. If you think too hard, you're going to overlook it, and it's, it's not going to come to you at that exact moment. So you just got to take a breath, do something else, you know, you know, do the dishes, go for a walk, and it will come to you. Okay, so clear your mind. Stop worrying yeah, about exactly. it is what I'm hearing. Yeah, exactly. Clear your mind. Yes, clear your mind. Very cool, very cool. Well, Anita, we are coming to the top of the hour, and we're going to be wrapping up um, in just a minute or two. So tell me, what do you have going on now that you want our listeners to know about? Um, well, um, I want everyone to look forward to my second book. Um, this one took me, um, I'm thinking about three months in of writing this one. Mm-hmm. So it's it's going to be very very interesting. <laughs> um, they they're going to get firsthand of my um, wonderful wonderful crazy mind <laughs> mind. Awesome awesome. <laughs> and so remind them the title of your book. Um, the first one is called Free My Man. You can get that on um, Amazon Kindle eBooks, and the second one will be called Lust. And that one should be out in about. Three Next months, he said? Months, yeah. Next couple of months. Yeah. And you'll, yeah. you'll keep us informed about that. Where can people find you on social media? Where can people connect with you? Uh, well, I have two Facebook pages. You can, um, you can uh, find me um, on, Arthur Knox, on my Arthur Knox page, my Facebook page, or Arthur Smith, or both. <laughs> okay, spell those, um, out. spell those out for people just in case. Okay. Um, Arthur Knox is A-U-T-H-O-R and then K-N-O-X. And then the second one is A-U-T-H-O-R-E-S-S and then S-M-I-T-H. Very cool. Very cool. And uh, is there anything else you're on Instagram um, Twitter, Instagram, any of those? Yes. <laughs> um, Instagram, you can um, you can find me at author um, Anita Dickerson Knox, and my name is spelled um, I dash N E T H A D I C K E R S O N dash K N O X. Awesome, and, awesome, awesome. And that's the same thing for um, on LinkedIn and my YouTube channel. <laughs> oh, you have a YouTube channel also. So what are you doing I on do. YouTube for us? Um, well, I just do um, a lot of um, videos about my books for people that might have questions. And I, and I recently did a video on, um, on bullying because I did see a um, – on the news that this Abby Green, a 12-year-old, was uh, she committed suicide because of uh, mm. cyberbullying. So I did a like a response video to um, to hers. So um, for people that uh, that felt the same way she did. Wow, that is so heartbreaking. That is absolutely heartbreaking. All right, yeah, so, so folks can- could. Ju- should look for your videos on YouTube as well. And you're not just talking about your books. You're also talking about important issues to our society and to our communities. Yeah, that's, that's correct. Yes. Very cool. Very, very, very cool. 
Well, Anita, thank you so much for joining me on Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard. This has been fabulous. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, that is our show this week, guys. You can reach out to me online at urbanbookeditor.com or on Facebook and Instagram at Urban Book Editor. Send me a note. I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send me some topics you'd like us to cover on the show. Again, a big, big shout-out to Beverly Black, Tribe Family Channel, and all the members of Tribe Family Channel. It is a pleasure and an honor to be associated with her and that great family of programs. Now, you guys, make sure you tune in for the show on April 20th when my guest will be author J. Elliott Howard. And you can find us every other Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash somewhere in the middle radio. You can also find us at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash somewhere in the middle podcast. Let's continue this conversation. You guys be good, stay mindful, and remain prayerful. Peace and blessings, y'all. I'm a helpful Southern California Honda person, and recently we've been doing random acts of helpfulness, like repairing a family's home after a water leak, helping pay for a wedding, and surprising a deserving child with a birthday party at the LA Zoo. And during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, we can help you too with a great deal on an award-winning Honda, like the all-new and completely redesigned Accord, the 2018 North American Car of the Year. Click the dealer locator link to find a dealer near you, and go to SoCalHondaDealers.com to suggest a random act of helpfulness for someone you know. Hi. I'm a helpful Southern California Honda person, and recently we've been doing random acts of helpfulness, like repairing a family's home after a water leak, helping pay for a wedding, and surprising a deserving child with a birthday party at the LA Zoo. And during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, we can help you too with a great deal on an award-winning Honda, like the all-new and completely redesigned Accord, the 2018 North American Car of the Year. Click the dealer locator link to find a dealer near you, and go to SoCalHondaDealers.com to suggest a random act of helpfulness for someone you know.